for work that morning, rolled over to turn my alarm off and I saw a text from, uh, from a friend of mine with a picture of the building on fire. Smoke and flames consumed an apartment complex in San Marcos almost five years ago, and five people lost their lives, seven others injured. They are more than victims. What nobody expected was that this tragedy could have been prevented. It was intentional. It was intentionally set. This was not an accident. This is Texas Crime Stories, the iconic village fire. She was always just really nice. She was my best friend. There's a lot to say about Haley. She was a very talented actress artist in general. She cared about her friends. BK Frizzle is talking about his sister, Haley Michelle Frizzle from San Angelo. BK and Haley were both attending Texas State University in San Marcos. The siblings both had similar interests, especially in movies. Once she got to Texas State with me, um, we, we made a plan to, for me to be the writer and her be the director and uh, make a production company together. Uh, and so that's why I've, my production company now is called HMF Productions. It's her initials. Everything would change for BK and his family on July 20th, 2018. I was working on um, the first feature film set that I was, uh, that I had ever worked on. And Haley was actually supposed to be there too. Um, but she had decided that she'd rather stay in San Marcos and work. And she was staying in my apartment. <clears throat> And uh, I got up for work that morning, ro rolled over to turn my alarm off, and I saw a text from, uh, from a friend of mine with a picture of the building on fire. The iconic village fire started at about 4.27 a.m., and by the time it was put out, five young adults had lost their lives. 20-year-old Drew Estes of San Antonio, 21-year-old Belinda Motes of Big Wells, 19-year-old Haley Frizzle of San Angelo, 21-year-old David Angel Ortiz of Pasadena, 23-year-old James Philip Miranda of Mount Pleasant. When you when you zoom out and look at the whole thing, uh, it's it's uh, just a huge it's a, it's a huge scale. Um, this one building, the ripples of ripple effects it has on people. An investigation was launched, and it would be four months later that investigators would share the cause of the fire, which was something nobody expected to hear. Here's Bureau of Alcohol, Tobacco, Firearms, and Explosives Special Agent in Charge, Fred Milanowski. It was intentional. It was intentionally set. This was not an accident. News, weather, mental health, true crime, and all things San Antonio. KSAT has a podcast for everyone with a local twist. Tune in daily for the day's top stories on KSAT News Now. Or learn more about South Texas weather phenomena with whatever the weather. Deep dive into mystery with true Texas crime stories that happen right here in our own backyard. And count on the KSAT Explains team to answer some big questions about San Antonio. Plus, our newest edition, Living Out Loud, making mental health health easier to tackle in San Antonio. Find us anywhere that you get your podcasts. Be sure to subscribe so you never miss an episode. Or watch the video versions on our KSAT YouTube page. Remember to subscribe there too.
we heard that special agent in charge talk about this case and how it was intentionally set. So much so that the accelerant is what caused it to spread so quickly and be so intense. I don't think anybody expected to hear that when that came out, that this was intentionally set. I think it was really upsetting for a lot of people. Absolutely, because when you see a fire like this happen, your first thought is, oh my gosh, what a tragedy. How awful that this happened. And it still is awful that it happened, but to know that someone went out of their way to make it happen, I think that cuts a little deeper. You got that opportunity to talk to BK and he gave a very long interview. He talked to you a lot about his family, about his sister, and you asked him about, hey, this is still unsolved. What are your thoughts about that? Yeah, and this is what he had to say. It's hard. It's something that used to eat at me a lot. Um, and I think it's it's not that it doesn't bother me anymore because it does. Uh, when I get to thinking about it, it does. It makes me angry and sad that, uh, you know, that there's there's no no answers for anybody. And he's exactly right. There is no answers for anybody. We're coming up on the five-year anniversary in, in a few months on this, and it's it's still so heartbreaking. I can't imagine how life has gone on for BK and his family. And all these other families, too, and the, the survivors whose lives were changed so significantly. Uh, BK was also sharing one of his best friends as one of the survivors and had some pretty significant injuries that he's still dealing with to this day, but you know he's gone on to be a motivational speaker. He's gone on to do some really great things in life, and he's not just defined by what happened there. But you also found out some interesting information about the apartment building itself. Yeah, so the apartment building was built in 1970. It was not required for it to be equipped with the sprinkler system or with smoke alarms. I think there was smoke alarms. Maybe some were working or some were not working. But I think this was a big concern, but it led to a civil lawsuit. Um, Peggy O'Hare from the Express News uh, follow this civil trial closely. We tried to get Peggy on the show. She couldn't make it this time around, but I wanted to use some of her, her reporting on this because I she did a very great job covering this civil lawsuit and, and how it kind of led up. But the lawsuit contends that the apartments had unsafe conditions, such as the lack of fire sprinklers, unreliable smoke detectors, and a flawed roof design that fed oxygen to the fire. I didn't know that some buildings, I guess because of their ages, are grandfathered into some rule that they don't have to follow some regulations like fire sprinklers. It's very concerning. It's very concerning. And we actually had done a story months and months back with uh, San Antonio Fire Department here. And they were saying that something that they do, a program that they have, is you can get free smoke alarms and have them installed if you're in a home or in a building that was built before that was required. So that's that's a way that you can combat that. It's just actually reaching out and asking for that help and asking for that program. But it is a program that we have here in San Antonio that people can take advantage of. I think a lot of times people, are, people forget fire safety. They think it's not gonna happen to me. It, it's not possible, but it is possible. It can happen to anybody at any time. So I, that's a very great program you, you brought up. But I want to go back to the civil lawsuit. The civil action was filed by Miranda's parents along with 13 tenants from the iconic village and the nearby vintage pads apartments because that fire did spread over to another complex. The corporate owner and various managers of iconic village apartments near Texas State University reached a settlement with the plaintiffs before trial. It was literally, I think, the day before trial was supposed to go, and they reached a settlement. Several other defendants had reached separate agreements as well. 
again, these are something, these cases, if they do go to trial, these civil lawsuits can be dragged on for months. But I know some families were okay with the settlement. Some wanted to go to trial um, so people could realize what, you know, hey, this is our story. This is our opportunity for people to realize what happened. That one of the defendants in the case that was being sued, their argument was that a man whose girlfriend lived at the complex was to blame, but they had no evidence to support that allegation. And I, I mean, they, I had read information where they had named him at a point, and I didn't want to name him because he's not charged with anything. And I, I, I don't know. What are your thoughts on that, Lee? Yeah, I think um, anyone can throw out any kind of accusation that they want, but if there's no evidence and it's not founded, then why continue to drag that person's name through the mud? Because to even be associated in one way or another and have your name thrown out that maybe you're responsible for this tragedy that happened, that can be great for your reputation, can be great for your own mental health. So, And police had cleared him as well, I believe, and um, he had always been cooperative with police and was, you know, in the investigation. So the terms of that settlement are confidential, which is standard part of the call. We'll never know really what they settled for, but I hope it brings some kind of peace for those families, even though the person who set this has yet to be caught. Uh, let's also talk about and circle back to BK here. Um, because, you know, he, he at one point was kind of obsessed with trying to find who had done this, but now it's more so honoring the people that they lost in this and he was touched by this tragedy pretty significantly and he actually doesn't like when people say that and it's ironic because you know he lost his roommate he lost his sister and one of his friends suffered those burns but he says you know everyone feels this pain equally so he doesn't really like when people talk about the fact that he lost more people than maybe someone else had and he made a, he's he's made a documentary and he's putting the final touches on it that will be released this year in the film festival circuit and then Hopefully, I think he said down the line on YouTube. Talk a little bit about that documentary that he, he spoke to you about. Yeah, so, it, I mean, it's been years in the works. Like he said, he um, always had an interest in film, and that's something him and Haley had shared together, um, just trying to figure out what they wanted to do together, like in the future, and then what roles each of them were going to play. But, yeah, he wanted to make this documentary, and at first he was very focused on the true crime part of it and finding out who had done this. and. Um, going down all these different rabbit holes and doing his own kind of investigation. But then he realized, you know, they are more than this moment. They're more than the crime that took their lives. And that's what I think his documentary is really going to focus on, is on who each of these people who were, who were affected by this, not just this moment. Here's BK with more on his documentary. I wasn't going to focus on the unknown criminal i was just gonna talk about the people we lost and um the effect they had uh and what what this loss did to people and what the world lost number one goal is i i want it to spread out and i would really 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 love if the person who did this saw this documentary and feels guilty enough to come forward outside of them i i want people to um, see the documentary and I want them to learn sort of the same thing I learned and that's you know treasure the people around you and um, show love whenever you can they are more than victims you know they're way more than something that happened over 30 seconds in any of their lives now the investigation does continue but not all information has been released which is kind of Normal. It's to protect their investigation. Um, investigators 
kind of know where it was set. They know how it was set, but they're not going to say that. And I think that's very important because one day when that person is caught, they'll be able to know if it really is the person because nobody but those involved in the investigation know what really happened. Yeah, it's a way that they can kind of have that ace in their back pocket that they can loop whatever person they someday arrest for this crime. Okay, they have this detail. We never actually released that detail. That's our person. Yes. According to Peggy O'Hare, a new task force has been created. It includes multiple law enforcement agencies. It was formed just this last October to re-examine the case. One of those agencies that's now involved is the Texas Rangers Cold Case Unit, um, which is they they do a lot of cold cases around the state. And I think it's a, it was a good idea for them to do this task force. I read up somewhere that this is similar to a task force that was created after the West explosion. We'll see. We'll see what happens. Yeah, and hopefully uh, having this task force, having all these different agencies working together, sharing information that they know. I mean, two brains are always better than one. So might as well work together. And maybe that can finally bring answers and some closure to families. Yeah, so this task force, they actually meet weekly. The investigators continue to follow up on every lead and, and each tip received from the public. Now, like I said, this is still a very open case. They are still receiving tips, and and there's a reward, and it's a pretty significant reward. Yeah, a reward of up to $110,000 still being offered up for tips leading to the identification or arrest of the person who set this fire. And if you have any information, we'll put this number and this uh, email on our website with this article, but the number to call is one 888 atf tips t-i-p-s or email atf tips at atf.gov yeah i think it's it's important that you know no details ever too small and we see cases that sometimes get solved years later decades later so offer up that information you never know what you could say or what you saw or what you heard someone say now almost five years later that could lead to an arrest in this Thank you for joining us for Texas Crime Stories. We'll be back soon with another episode.